Ready? This <laughs> volume. Wow. Oh, I can't do it. Really Door right. shut, Scott. This is a gorilla podcast. A collection of interviews, conversations, and hangouts with some of our favorite humans. It's an opportunity for us to pull back the curtain and talk about how we all got here or are getting here. I guess you could say. No edits. That's not Just true. Just uncut conversations about things we've learned, mistakes we've made, and all the stuff that keeps us going. It's another way, we hope, to be a little more human. A little more human. To be more human. There's something in there. All right, uh, Eric Johnson. We can't afford a slate. We can't. Well, I mean, we, is it because we we're doing lo-fi social and we want to prove that we can do it without slates? I think it has a lot more to do with just not having another person in the room doing a slate. You forgot the slate. I get it. We yeah, can move we on. could. Yep, it's true. Cool. But we do have slates. <laughs> Welcome to our first ever conversations of in a transmedia world. Oh I mean, gosh, transmedia. Well, I'm going to say it again because you already ran over what I said. We're going to have a problem of. Us stepping on each other. It's true. And by that, I mean me stepping on you. Mostly so just when I'm that. like trying to oh, ask no, you a question, you're just going to like hop right in. No, this is uh, the first ever episode of a con- uh, Conversations in a Transmedia World. So we're uh, doing this really fun experiment and I'm really digging it so far. It's been a little bit uh, trial and error, but it's going to be even better as we continue. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and you get to ask me some back if you'd like. Uh, but yeah. t- today's really just trying to figure out how you got here. And by here, I mean, you're a partner at Gorilla. Mm-hmm. Um, you work mm-hmm. in film and media, um, but media is kind of evolving currently. And for everybody that works in the creative space, I'd say, especially in film, it's no longer one note necessarily. Like what you make tends to turn into a lot of different things these days. It's no longer yeah. like, Hey, I'm going to make a brand film. <laughs> I and don't then think that's there's such a thing as a film production company anymore. I, I, I'm not sure that those exist. <laughs> see, exactly. So what we're going to do is uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you kind of like historically some things, and then we're going to talk specifically about here and now. So my very first question is like, how did you actually very get nice. here? You made things. I made things. Right, cool. <laughs> so how'd you get here? And, and then like, not like, like historically, the, historically, like how you yeah. don't necessarily have to go to all the nitty gritty of like gorilla has been around for 12 years, oh, but you'll I have do, to pull me out. I will pull you sure. out of the deep yeah. history that gorilla oh, does okay. have. Well, no, the, the fun cliff notes is are, um, okay. So Eric Michelle and I, Mm-hmm. One of my partners, Ross Vandewa, being the other one who came along a little later. Um, we were doing a documentary together when we were oh, but youths. Mm-hmm. And uh, I toted a, an old 60 millimeter camera all over Warsaw and uh, got back and started editing the documentary together and realized we needed some newsreel footage. Mm-hmm. And ABC News would not give it to us if we didn't have an LLC. So we're like, well, we got to set one up. So we hastily set it up in LLC um, and named it Gorilla Pictures LLC. Uh, very unwise to not check <laughs> if other companies other Gorilla Pictures in the world LLC? have the same name as you. But uh, we were kids in a basement, and um, yeah, and and that's where it was born. And it was not on purpose. It How was old just, were you? Oh, I was like seven or eight. Like no. <laughs> I, I honestly don't. I think I was like 23. <laughs> um, young and dumb enough to not check if there are other companies with the right. same name. Uh, anyway, so we did that. And then sort of a cascade of events happened and we just kept on working. And suddenly we were, you know, quitting our side jobs and doing this full time. And then, you know, there's a tiny office and then there's a little bit bigger office and some other people. And before we knew it, there was a sort of a community exploding around us. And um, it was right as film was transitioning to digital 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, talk about disruptive innovations. We're we're looking at one now, but mm-hmm. that was the the one of note. I think leading up to this point, mm-hmm. and uh, we were just really fortunate to be connected with an individual who believed in us and supported us with some equipment that we really didn't have any right to have at the time. Mm-hmm. And I uh, mean a red camera, right? Two red cameras. Oh, wow. uh, the first red cameras, so basically computers with lenses on them. Right. I still have nightmares about trying to get that footage to work, but it looked really good. Cool. And uh, it was really complicated, and it inspired a sort of entire community of people who thought like us mm-hmm. and uh, had dreams like us. And... Um, kind of we all rallied around and learned how to use these damn things and cool. started making stuff. Cool. And that's really, you know, sort of blanketing the whole idea, but that's where it started. That's where the momentum began. We like to say that we're, you know, a 15-year-old company but a, you know, 7-year-old startup. Okay. That's that's a good way to put it. Those first years after Eric and I were in that basement leading up to this point, I mean, we were doing documentary after documentary after documentary. We did like 50 countries in the first three or four years. That's insane. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. That's I have a kids lot. now. It's not really, yeah, not really doing that, that as I'm much anymore. To do. No. So, um, some days <laughs> I just want to get on that airplane. <laughs> I love my children. <laughs> so a uh, little side note, you can yeah. also send uh, future people that are going to be listening to this podcast. Eric and I are actually future going people. future people because they're all going to be in the when future. You watch this and you're flying cars. <laughs> <laughs> no, more like we're uh, Eric and I are actually going to be having these conversations with other creatives within our community, but also at Grand Rapids and larger with like in the United States mm-hmm. and beyond just pretty much anybody that Industry, we're interested sure. in the media landscape, we're going to be having conversations with them. So if at any point you want to ask me similar questions, feel free. If not, I'm just going to keep interviewing yeah. you. And then yes, I cannot wait to take the spotlight off of myself. <laughs> so that will be very fun. Next. I'm really curious about your creative process. So you're, you've been a director, uh, you co-directed Camp Mana. You've also done a bunch of many different documentaries, but how, how do you begin your creative process? So normally is, is it more of like a a light bulb moment? Do you have to go sit in a dark room? Can you, sure. so people that maybe have never really figured out their own process, how do you arrive at yours? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think it's important to differentiate between an individual creative process and a capital C creative process, mm-hmm. right? So I'll answer it sort of on the individual side. How do I work personally? Yeah. But in the larger sense, like creative process uh, is sort of a more tactical structured approach, which I'm sure we'll end up talking about when we talk to like, you know, our strategist, Dave Phelps, and, mm-hmm. you know, team members that are involving and, you know, untying knots, mm-hmm. right? That's a creative process in and of itself. Um, but individually, like when does all of that work sort of turn into creativity? Mm-hmm. That's very different between, you know, different people. So yeah. for you, yeah. <laughs> is what I'm really curious for about. For me, man, I, it's weird, man. I, I don't know. I've always, that sounds so weird. I've always just loved being underwater. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I think it's because I'm not very good at being present. That's the re- that's the blessing and the curse, right? So like all of this, like all the stuff that we do, like in part, it's just because like my brain doesn't turn off. Mm-hmm. And so the gears are just spinning in the background all the time. So maybe part of the creative process is just constantly like just letting that run all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. But also that can be really uh, quite a hindrance. To good creativity, right? So for me, like I really like things like 
swimming and just going underwater because like all the sensory sort of deprivation that okay. happens okay. shuts things down, right? I also get a lot of ideas early in the day. Like okay. I know so many creatives here. You walk in here two in the morning, somebody's editing something, right? Yeah, that's not or like yeah, no way. when Slane was editing in here. One of our director friends, like, I mean, it would be all night long. And I'd come in and there'd just be lights on everywhere and heaters going and I would cry. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> realize I was just the dad of Gorilla. But, um, but no, for me, it's most of the time it's the opposite of that. It's in the morning. Uh-huh. It's when I get to the end of the day, there's so much fatigue. And I think I'm just going so hard that I really don't um, innovate very well. Mm -hmm. But when I wake up in the morning or even in the middle of the night, sometimes I'll just wake up and write stuff down or whatever. And it's just like, I think it's having that like rare blank space. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like going underwater because I'm serious. I'll just go in a pool and just like float underwater. It's really weird. Gina was just actually telling me that I need to do some sensory deprivation. You probably and would benefit from it. I cannot wait to try. Yeah, I think yeah. there's one across the street. <laughs> the <laughs> problem is I also have a lot of guilt when I just go do things like get in a tank alone while my wife runs around our house with four, four boys and two dogs. <laughs> yeah. So create a little balance there. So so you would maybe help me unpack that just a little yeah, bit yeah. more. Like, so your creative process the four kids really, no, no, like the wisdom <laughs> of that, it's, there's no unpacking. You you have to pretty much silence everything in order for like there to be a moment of you where you feel like you personally are being creative. So is that what, kind of what you're getting at, or is it more of like gaming myself okay. more than anything? Right? Is the one thing that I realized is when I went to film school, um, I actually went to film school and college at the same time, and then dropped out of college in my junior year because I couldn't do both. I was getting some film opportunities that. You know, I had to pick between the two because one was taking me out of state and all this sort of stuff. So chase that, right? But when I went, for me, I went to film school because like most every kid that goes to film school, I wanted to create feature films. Mm -hmm. And and at that time too, like that was the medium, right? Mm -hmm. It was just sort of like the gold center medium. This is not the case anymore. Like, you know, the the platforms have changed so much. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time that that was what I was really excited about. And as Gorilla grew, I realized that while I do love that a lot and I love supporting it and being a part of Mm -hmm. of it and Mm -hmm. and being creative, I also really fell in love with the idea of um, what a community could do. That was something I think that had always been in there even before film, you know, just this idea of like community and mentorship and empowerment and all these Mm -hmm. sorts of things. And we could go down that road and I won't (laughs) because it's a lot of stuff. But I fell in love with that. And then I also realized, excuse me, I also realized that um, the entrepreneurial side of it was also something that had always been there. You know, even since I was yeah. a kid, that really appealed to me. So now I had these three things that were working in tandem where I did love the creative and the creative process, but I also really loved the creativity that came with community building and that came with sort of the entrepreneurial side of things. So mm-hmm. I really leaned into that stuff as well. And I would say now my favorite thing at Gorilla is actually being in a room where I'm very familiar with all of the disciplines going on mm-hmm. in the room. And I can do them, mm-hmm. but it's the best when everybody there is just a little bit better or a lot better than I am. And, you. Yeah. But you still, you need someone in the room that has the ability to tie all of those things together. And I think that's what I'm best at. So mm-hmm. creativity for me, oftentimes I think it looks like trying to find the creativity in other people okay. and bringing them to the party 
okay. if you will. And then getting them to communicate, right? Because it's a lot of languages and also it's oh, like yeah. Tower of Babel, like in a room, right? right? Right. And it's just like, how do you get all these people to speak the same language? And then how do you also form that in a way that can be um, articulate in, in a client mm-hmm. interfacing way, mm-hmm. right? So you're really, you're taking all these worlds and combining them together. And I think like one of the biggest creativities in film is just finding a way to be a conduit. Right. Kind of clarity in the chaos. So that you're trying to yeah. like distill whatever all the different inputs are. And then maybe you can be the simplifier. That's something I didn't realize. I mean, there's so much that you learn. And I'm sure other people that are watching this that, you know, if they've been doing this for a while to think the same or thing listening. or listening. Um, but just that idea that you sort of you go into it. And the, the great thing about being young is you have this incredible naivete mm-hmm. and it and it really helps. It does. Because it gives you this opportunity to just imagine without restriction, mm-hmm. right? And the challenge, I think, of moving up in your career is not losing all of that while you start to learn what the constraints look like. Right. How do you understand the constraints so that you can wield them when it's appropriate to a budget or a scope or a timeline or all these sorts of things? But at the same time, not let them dominate so much right. that you can't be creative anymore. This is why I like creating those spaces mm-hmm. because you have to be able to turn off all those inputs for a minute just to let things explode and then sort of bring them all back in and say, okay, how do we form this? Right, right. That's great. Okay, well, I think you've <laughs> answered that question well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of move this on. This will to the be next edited. One. Is no, what you're trying to say. No, definitely not. Half I, that answer would have been I actually great. So I, the hard part about it is like critiquing ourselves when we have conversations like this. I'm sure you Oh, we should you know have that. A, you have a you have a, an ability to like edit as you hear someone when they're talking and you probably even when yourself are talking you're like mm, that could It's go really away. weird to I've done probably like maybe 1500 to 2000 interviews. Right. At least and you know, get to the point that where you're not editing the average person. <laughs> <laughs> you get to the point where you're editing someone's interview while you know you're thinking right. like, oh, I could use that. I could use that. I need to ask another question to grab a connecting right. piece of information. Doing that to yourself is really hard because you're trying to come up with your own thoughts and then also piece them together. So I like the podcast format a lot better yeah. than sort of a traditional interview format because you can just sort of come back to ideas and things like that. Right, and also. Y- this is a little bit more freeing. So like uh, some people- We don't even have pants on. <laughs> some people it's might actually get a lot free. from everything that you just said, but you actually don't know because like when we self-edit sometimes that can actually take away from someone else's insight. They might, they might Absolutely. have a connection. Yeah. So there's a little bit, of, there's a bit more freedom with podcasts of like the different notes might resonate in different That's ways. That's why I people. love this medium. Yeah. I think when you work in a world where everything is about crafting messages. Mm -hmm. And that is necessary. You know, ironically, you know, as we get more and more social, one of the things that people tend to miss on that is that as things get shorter and faster Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, more regular, you you have to be extremely didactic with like your messaging. Very intentional. And and the inverse of that, like podcasts are almost the absolute inverse of that. They, They belong in the same world. And they're both creating authenticity, but this is creating the sort of inverse form of authenticity. And that's why I love it, I think, is because mm-hmm. it is long form. It is just gathering information. It's my one of my favorite mediums. Mm-hmm. It's same reason. here. Yeah, same here. So I'm going to ask you another question about um, heroes. Like who continues to inspire you within your own 
field that you work in um, or maybe who traditionally used to inspire you? Is it, is it the same? Mm. Is it someone that is like, is it a continuous thing or no? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I look at it that way. I, I would more, I've never looked at it that way though. People you don't have used like to be like, Eric, like, what are your top five movies? And I'm like, I, I don't I can't well, I answer that not- question. Like, what day is it? You know what I mean? Like, well, how am I feeling right now? You know what I mean? It's those abs. Okay, this is a good one, though. Backing up. I grew up in a very conservative mm-hmm. and uh, I would both say fundamentalist. Yeah. Yes, we both did. Yep. Fundamentalist environment. And um, and while I have a, a lot of affinities to some of the things there, I also have a lot of criticisms. And one is just, um, I think when you grow up with that much absolutism around you, yeah. you find it very difficult to be absolutist about things. And and sometimes it's important to be absolutist. And I'm not very good at it for that reason. It's just Pavlovian. Like, I can't yep. do it and feel good. So when you ask a question like that, I, I have to try to pivot it into more of a, I think it, I think it really depends, going back to your question of what, what was it, what inspires you or who inspires you? Yeah. It's really situational. Right. You know what I mean? It depends on what I'm working on. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're doing this program right now that is the thing I'm most excited about, um, with a detention center and we're creating this entire, um, platform to change the narrative around juvenile detention and incarceration. And there's all this incredible stuff. Well, in that case, like, you know, I would be like, well, James Baldwin, you know, is right. the person who inspires me the right. most just because I think he was so incredibly articulate mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. that I haven't been forced to experience in my life. So it allows me to like dive in and try my best to empathize and to try to like leverage my position to create platforms for other people, even though that itself is a privilege. Right. He was very good at pulling those things apart. Well, that's not at all relevant to, uh, you know, a, a lifestyle beauty commercial. Right. If I'm doing something like that, right? And right. that's one of the things I love about film is you sort of leap to these different platforms mm-hmm. and then different sorts of people can expire, inspire you. If I was looking at beauty, I'd say, well, the stuff that, you know, Dove is doing in their commercial campaigns. Well, Dove and James Baldwin don't have a lot to do with each other. Right. Except for they're really both seeking some form of humanness right. in what they're doing. And right. so I would say if that's central to what somebody is doing or has done, mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm drawn to and that's what inspires me. Well, I think you're answering like the whole point of this podcast. I mean, uh, conversations in a transmedia world, transmedia means like it's all the different kinds of medias telling the same story. Mm-hmm. So like, I think yeah. that's what Gorilla tries to do in general. Like we play in a lot of different mediums we're not just making movies. We're not just making commercial productions. We do social. I mean, we're doing, we do comic books. I mean, like there's just a lot of different ways to tell a story. And what I'm hearing from you is that, like, there's just different notes that seem to sing the same song uh, that across different platforms or different yeah. different people are, are singing similar notes that you, like, want to latch on to. The mediums are going to change. Right. They're, they'll continue to change. Whatever we're doing now, we won't be doing in five years. In fact, the cycles are getting faster and faster. And, right. you know, what feels like authenticity now will not three years from now. But something else will, right? We'll right. find a way. And I think the things that I'm drawn to is where, wherever we are, at whatever point in time, how is the message the most human? And, and that sounds like, I know that sounds a little, I don't know, it just sounds a little basic, but I think like that's the sort of the beauty of humanity is that, right. you know, the simpler you can get that message um, and the more central to sort of feeling and emotion, I think 
the more chance you have of success. It's cool. really easy to come up with something that sort of projects an idea. It's a lot harder to mm-hmm. come up with something that draws out an idea. And to your point, with the changes in the industry, like that doesn't have a singular platform anymore. There was a time where we would make brand films and that was the message. Right. Well, if you think about it right now, brand film is like one of sort of 12 nodes right. that all have right. to sing right. together, right? Social, um, all of your branding work. What is the strategy that goes into this? Mm-hmm. And then how do all these things combine depending on your platform? Maybe one client needs an advertisement that has to trickle out into all other sort of digital campaigns. Mm-hmm. Well, you have that hero content, but it has to be part of a larger story. Right. Other clients may not even have that hero content. They just might need to develop other piece, oh, other pieces of that story. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> So I think like yeah. that what what are the what is the thing that ties that together, right? And it's just a human approach to this that draws something out that's more than just telling you what to think or believe or to buy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I really don't give a shit about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I've walked into so many meetings and just been really honest and just saying, like, I don't really like advertising. Yeah. I've right. Heard but you when say I that. say, I've heard you say you that ever heard me say that. And that's not to say I don't like helping people say something about their product or their brand. I right, love right, that. Right. Advertising yeah. to me just represents this sort of old, like, I'm going to go find a way to sort of like tell you what to think about this thing. It's like Laura Linney on the Truman Show, mm-hmm. right? But but for me, it's really a process of unpacking, of drawing out what's good within a thing and revealing it. Right. Not Not plastering on top of it, but revealing it. I dig it, man. I, I, it's, that was it's a lost. little bit of a rabbit trail. That's where you can cut me off. That, that's okay. In the that, future. That, but it, that, I like where you were going, but like you actually touched on the next question um, with the Delta Project. So this is a passion project for Gorilla currently. Yeah. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about the Delta Project? Because it's something yeah. that, I mean, it, maybe about Cole, because it, it's very similar to what you've been describing when it comes like, you don't like advertising, but you like certain things that are affecting change. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, so. I think to understand it, you have to go back to where we started. I said, you know, every kid in film school wants to make a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, we've uh, produced a number of movies now that are in distribution. And the one thing that I realized through doing that is that what I was chasing wasn't actually making a movie. What I was chasing is trying to find a way to tell stories that are meaningful, that create cultural change, right? Mm-hmm. And when you realize that, and then you add community and all this stuff around it, other things reveal themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, and I'm getting to your point, but this is important. For us, when we started Gorilla, we imagined this community that was, you know, this sort of diverse perspectives and, you know, types of people and all this sort of stuff. We're in the Midwest. And we sort of threw the doors open and the community grew, but it was really monolithic. A lot of white guys. Just a lot of white guys. <laughs> a lot of white and guys. And it's not their fault. Like, I mean, yeah. like, you know, there's there's all sorts of things to unpack in that. Right. But at the end of the day, like, a lot of really good dudes. Right. But it was dudes. Right. And it was white dudes. Right. And so we're like, what? it raises, it doesn't mean feel guilty about that. It means ask why. Right. Right. And so for us, it was like, well, why is this then? And what do we need to do to start to shift that then in this community? And now we're in a couple other communities, Detroit and L.A., they have their own dynamics and they're different, mm-hmm. but it's it's assessing that everywhere. For here, it was very much a realization to go, you know what? There really. isn't a level of empowerment beneath where we are. Mm-hmm. So if we want people to walk through that door that are, you know, just a variety of perspectives and ethnicities and all that sort of stuff, then we need to actively be working to uh, leverage what we know, leverage our privilege to go give them the tools 
to be able to walk in the door. And that's starting to happen now, and it's really cool. But the point being, the Delta Project is one of a number of things that we're doing sort of post that realization. And I know that realization is just like, duh, dude. I know, but you got to yeah, start somewhere. You can't just open the door because if that place, it's like the door you know, could be open, but if you don't like I, what's in there, if it doesn't look like you, like why would you go I, into I think that it's space? important to yeah. just own that though, to yeah. just be like, yeah, like we were ignorant to that at first. And then mm-hmm. once you start realizing that, you go, okay, what do we need to do right. then to be a part of this? So the Delta Project is one of a number of projects that we're trying to leverage to share what we know and share the privileges that we've had as a way to... Um, help cultivate the next generation of filmmakers so they can walk through the door. Cool. And in this case, this one's really unique because this is in partnership with the Juvenile Detention Center. And what we're doing is we're teaching a group of students in the center to set up a interview using a device that we invented, mm-hmm. which will be revealed when we reveal this on uh, the website in a couple of weeks. And um, it allows them to have conversations with someone who has experienced a similar dynamic to what they're experiencing. So for example, if I'm a student in a detention center, um, I get an opportunity to talk to someone who maybe had a similar uh, life scenario that I did and found a way to sort of grab hold of something and pull themselves into a position of authority, right? So we have these incredible men that are coming in and talking to these students Mm -hmm. and leveraging their own experience. And it's pretty powerful. It's right. really cool. But the big picture is really just how do we how do we do more things that break down those barriers so that we can create um, more upward mobility. And some of that will be in film. I really hope like some of these dudes that are coming out of this yeah, come here will end up in an internship us. program with us yeah. and, and work their way up. Yeah. I'm excited about that. But it, it isn't really about film. It's just, it's about empowerment. Awesome, man. All right, we're going to... Keep going, and th- this one's the future. So, like, currently, like, th- our in the transmedia world, like, there's a lot of changes, and like, the future can be a little bit scary because the future's like always the present right now. But like, do you have any hopes, fears, or excitements that like about the future and where we're going with the? Oh yeah, the, this I mean, industry? all of the above for sure. Um, I don't have. I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> 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 I think it's crack. important <laughs> to differentiate between fears and insecurities, uh-huh. right? Um, I don't have insecurities about where things are going. It's really exciting and a lot of fun. I would agree. But it is a very tumultuous landscape right now. It's changing quickly. Um, a good example would be we just released a feature film in June, and we turned down an offer from MGM mm-hmm. and decided to self-distribute. That's terrifying. The eight-year-old inside of me wants so badly to see that MGM logo on the front of the movie. But it's like an external validation. Absolutely. And it's just like the fact that they gave us an offer and we but but the offer was shit. No offense, MGM. It was shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it was, it was having to step back and say, at this point in time, do the old rules work anymore? No. Will this benefit me? Mm-hmm to go with someone who's going to take 50% of the receipts and do almost everything that I could do with a little blood, sweat, and tears. It just didn't make sense, right? So we went the opposite direction. We taught ourselves a number of things that we didn't know before regarding self-distribution. We developed our own social marketing campaign, our own PR campaign, Mm -hmm. and we released the film that way. And, um, you know, when people ask how it's going, I say like two years, two years before we know, because it's a different landscape. It's not... 
Unless you're Black Panther of Fast and the Furious, you're not just exploding overnight. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, you have to build that momentum. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, the future, that sort of encapsulates the future to me a little bit. It's sort of saying, okay, we know what to do. There's continuously changing formats for how you tell these stories. But at the end of the day, like, the fact that you have to tell a story and that there's a way to streamline the messaging is still is it's still central to everything right. that you're doing, right? right? It's just a matter of leveraging the new forms to do that. And yeah. so for us, you no, know, with the medium you're playing within. With yeah. the film, that's exactly what we had to do. And um and I think that that's true of all the projects going forward. I think that that was a huge reveal to us even because we had various clients doing various forms of, you know, sort of pulling away from the brand film idea mm-hmm. and thinking a little bit broader. But I think 2019 will be a turning point where really the old forms have to fall away. Yep. It has to, the people, will someone still make a brand film about their product? Absolutely. That's okay. Will yeah. that be 50 things at once? Absolutely. Yeah. It has to be yeah. from print to social media to, you know, if it is playing on television or whatever, like these things all have to play together mm-hmm. and they have to be built on a strong strategy. And I think that's the thing I would say the most about the future is that it's really easy to go like, oh, it's time for social media. You know, filming a thing on a phone (laughs) could be relevant. You could film something on a phone, no problem. If it isn't based in a strong intent and strategy, it's it's gonna hurt your brand over Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And so more than ever, I think the strategy work that we do to design storylines and design narratives that are human and honest um, I think that's more important than ever because now we're designing for seven or eight different platforms, right? Um, right. Not just the brand film, right? Cool. That right. can get lost really quick, though. I think we're going to see well, a lot of stumbles well, along the way the by different isn't brands. Just like holding a camera up to your face and like talking to your audience—that is that is a thing. A, that is a part. That is part of it. But you, intention can never leave because uh, that will just become a new form of inauthenticity. Like absolutely, it's, it's just another. You're just, it's another form of It will just be the new Laura Linney on the Truman Show, right? right? Buy these can of coffee or whatever, right? right. right. It's really, it has to be rooted in a bigger idea mm-hmm. um, and in something that's meaningful. And there has to be a lot of strategic thinking around it. Yes. So that all of those streams play together. Right. And when you do that, and we saw this with Camp Man and with our film ourselves, mm-hmm. is that when these streams start to play together, it explodes into opportunity. Yeah. It really does something that you couldn't do before. It's really exciting. Yeah, it really is. But it's just, it's a changing landscape and it's changing fast. It's And it's only going to get faster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even just look at Facebook right now. Like Facebook is a relevant platform for sure, but is so controversial mm-hmm. compared to three years ago. Yeah. You know, just yeah. go back like gonna, one political gonna, cycle, you know, yeah. pre-Cambridge Analytica or whatever, like, it's it's a different different scenario. It really is, and it will continue to change. They have the most power when it comes to marketing, still, because they have the most active users, still. Absolutely, yeah. but you also have an increasing amount of skepticism. Oh yeah, right. Well, why did we go down the authenticity route in the first place? Skepticism, right? So you will continue to have these platforms that sort of lose trust, and then go, okay, how do we rega- how do we regain trust? Mm-hmm. And the way to do that is by designing authentic stories and drawing out something that's true and yeah. human. Oh, Facebook commercials that. when that happened 
were incredibly human and like very I revealing. I was, and I was like, damn it, this is working. Cause like, I was like, I, I'm suspicious about you. And then I was like, this is a really good commercial. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. So this is, um, what we're doing like within the Delta project was like trying to create an open door where someone actually has the opportunity to walk through. Yeah. So like in general, I mean, and we, that's a we whole thing. Yeah. I don't feel like I unpacked that very well. This probably isn't the place to unpack no, that whole I, thing. And so we, could, we could do a, an I need entire a little grace from the that. audience on that one for sure. Cause <laughs> like, I could just go on and on. I think this question might give you an opportunity to answer that even more. Cause like, okay. there's not just, there's a lot of people that want to get into film or want to make a movie or want to, yeah. like, especially in this media landscape, they're just like, well, how do I even begin? Or how do I even start? Like, what do you tell people that want to work with us? Because we get a lot of these questions from LinkedIn to it's people yeah. DM us on Instagram to emails. And sometimes the questions are really big. Like, how do I fund my movie? And they don't understand. Like, Those are my is- favorite. Those emails are like, you've never met me before, but uh, do you have four to six million dollars? Because I wrote a script. Right, dude. <laughs> you know, or, like, or, or they're like, well, just like, the cold how did you fundraise <laughs> for your movie? And we're like, this took years for us to yeah. figure out. And you're like, just want it like yeah. this. And I am so happy to share information. That is one thing like I am oh, yeah. definitely committed to. But it is not that simple. No, it's not just like, not here, like- let me just write you a two paragraph answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, almost kill yourself. <laughs> and uh, you'll get there. No, but in general, how, what would you, what advice would you give to someone that's like starting off and wants to like work with us yeah. and or work in this field? Because there's a lot of yeah. like, perception versus reality that people just do not understand. There's so Same much. Any field. Yeah, there's so much there. And it, it's going to be that like non-answer answer, unfortunately. And it's just because there's so many paths. Right. The reality is, is that there are many, many, many different ways to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a number of filmmakers here that uh, came into this community by way of um, like public institutions, like universities, right? Internship after university. And I, I think about Jason Baker, right? He came uh, from yeah, Grand Valley. Yeah, he went to Grand Valley. You know, university here. And was film. Yeah, and he's just kicking ass. He's making some awesome stuff. That was his route. But then we have another filmmaker that, um, you know, he came here when he was 17, right out of high school. And we let him have an internship. And um, he, after his internship, he left and he went to Florida and he was going to go to FSU, which is a pretty good film school. Mm-hmm. And um, about three weeks before he was supposed to start, I remember he called me. He actually called me with his dad. <laughs> and oh, they were on the phone. Now. <laughs> and he just said, I have this really bad feeling that mm-hmm. four years from now, I'm going to be making the same exact phone call with a lot more debt. And this is not me shitting on film school. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is he recognized that he had a pathway already built and he was like, maybe I just need to take that pathway. Film school is great. If you don't have a pathway, that's an amazing way to go because you're looking for a key you that just unlocks need to be the door. Conscious that is money that you but are it, spending. But it's going to cost you something, right? And so for him, he's like, what do you think if I come back, I continue to intern for you, try to work my way into a position and go that route? And I wasn't going to tell him what's valuable and what's not in terms of school, but I said, yeah, if you want to do that, you can. And for him, he's now producing in New York you know, on the level of like Ogilvy, these sort of huge agencies, because he came back, he worked with us, he leveraged it as a springboard to get to where he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And now we have this amazing partner in this relationship when we produce in New York with this incredible producing team mm-hmm. because he took that route. That could be totally different Hi, for John someone Milton, else. By the way. Yeah, John, <laughs> I love you. Um, 
it just it just could be totally different right. for somebody else. And I think the main thing to realize is understand the market you're going into mm-hmm. and really know what you want to get out of it because there is a major difference if you want to be in, you know, we're a pretty small market in the Midwest here, but our LA and Detroit offices are much bigger markets. Well, what you need to do then as a creative is very different. Here, wearing a bunch of hats and doing a lot of things pretty well is a great place to start because you're trying to build trust within a community and you need to be a little bit of a jack of all trades at first. Mm -hmm. If you go to LA, that's terrible advice. Yep. Find a couple things that you can do really well and become an expert at them. Right. Because that's a system built where you need to be the best at something to get on a team. Right. It's just a different way to go about it. They're both relevant. They're just different. Right. And so I think that um, maybe the answer to that more than anything is find a mentor. Find someone who's been there before, yeah. um, who's been down that path. And even if you can't get an internship somewhere, get someone that you can talk to. That yeah. would be that would be the best advice, I think. Yeah, so it's a bit like, and leverage is a, is a bit, uh, uh, something that I, I talk about a little bit. Uh, yeah. And like, when you're first starting off, the reality is you have zero leverage to offer anybody. So like, right. and that's... I. I don't want to be careful with how I say this, but there there's, seems to be like, well, I want to be in film. I feel like I'm entitled to like an internship or I'm entitled to like get paid for work, but really you're not. And there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of that in there. And like, cause you don't have any experience that we can like, yes, let me pay you X amount I of dollars to get into this thing about like, I, I was just doing a mentoring workshop at a local university last week. And I was talking to a bunch of juniors and seniors that are about to graduate with marketing degrees and this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest part about that is you've worked so hard. Right. You've worked so hard to get there. And no one is telling you, by the way, when you get out, you need to do that again. Yeah. Right? So you get out and you're like, yeah, like, finally, like, I'm I'm here. I'm ready to go. Let's go. And then it starts over. And, and, and I think, I don't know why that is, but I think the more that we're talking about the fact that this is a relationship industry and that trust is your currency. Yes. The better. Yes. Because when you step into the marketplace, you have to be prepared to just walk in at the bottom. Those who walk in and go, what am I entitled to? They they just don't survive. It, it's too hard. Lost. And it's not because it's not because someone isn't talented. It's just because that trust isn't built and it's not going to be given until it's built. Mm-hmm. And so for all of us. We've all had to sort of put our pride on the shelf and walk in and say like, okay, starting at the bottom and sort of serving, yeah. it's not about being the bitch. Right. It's about earning trust and earning relationship. Right. And those that have thrived in the worlds that I'm in, from gorilla to all the other sort of creative spheres, mm-hmm. the people that thrive are the people that are willing to set that down, even if they are massively talented, yep. and go, I'm going to earn trust first. And then when the opportunity is presented to me, I'm going to take all this talent and leverage it and boom, right. you're in. Totally. But you have to be willing. And I, I, you, you're hitting on something that I, I want to point out and Heemstra is behind the ca- uh, camera and helping us produce this podcast specifically. But like, he's someone yeah. that at first that we were like, we weren't necessarily sure about, but like, I think the trust was like, he really wanted to establish trust. I believe I was like, F that guy. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was, I'm, I'm just joking. But like the reality is like, he was willing to literally do whatever it took to, he, but not he, the not the like the right not the know, weird kind no 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 not, not it was, no sexual favors yeah. we weren't looking no. for that kind of stuff that's just, no, that's inappropriate on no, all level no, no, no. but we're talking no, no was, Kevin Spacey stuff no <laughs> he was he was just willing to actually like you want to edit cool I'll edit yes. I will 
bring you food. I'll do crafty. I'll take photos. I'll film. I'll like literally anything I can do to prove myself. And And it proved very valuable. And I would argue that there are just a few things that maybe get lost when you're learning a craft. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is underneath that craft? Because I would argue the things that you're talking about should always be the primary things. When I go into a client meeting, my first job is to serve that client and to solve a problem. When I'm making a feature film, my first job is to think about the audience Mm -hmm. and to create for the audience. And that means in the feature film world, sometimes cutting things you love Mm -hmm. because you love your audience more. In the client world, in, in a world with a brand, you know, that you're working with, sometimes it's setting your pride on the shelf and saying, what do they need more than what is my creative vision for something and finding a way to marry those things together. You don't give up on them, but but it's in service of the person. Yeah. And maybe that's particular. Maybe that's not everyone's standpoint. I know some incredible artists that are very P.T. Anderson about it and just like, like we're just going to go do this. And they can get away with right. that. But I would argue that most people, unless you are a savant and you're out there cutting your own ear off, right. you might not have what it takes to just be the bull in the china shop. Right. And that's okay. That's good. The, the the creatives that I admire are the ones that have this incredible ability to be gracious and create. Like yeah. that is yeah. a skill and that is hard to do. Yes, it is. But if you can do that, that is mastery of a craft, I think. I would agree. Yeah, 100%. So you don't have to be a dick to be a director, in other words. <laughs> no, although there are some really incredible directors that, that are, are dicks. dicks. Yeah. And I love their movies. Yeah. And I think part of why I love their movies is because I don't know how to do that. Right. But there are also directors that are incredible that aren't like that. Mm-hmm. You look at like Ron Howard's films. Oh, yeah. You know, someone like that is just like a beloved person yeah. in Hollywood that is also creating things that audiences really respond to. Oh, yeah. Right? There's all kinds. So maybe part of it is just knowing, you know, what kind are you? I was going to say, if you're the dick kind, to know yourself. don't yeah. email us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, um, as we're wrapping this up, do you have any questions for me or should we just like call this quits? On oh, the man, I think we're going to have to turn this around for another one and I'll ask you questions because the one thing I will say is that you have been the champion of these things. And uh, there's so much to ask. I think uh, you've got a lot of wisdom buried in there from uh, a year and a half of constantly just <laughs> waving the flag to push in this direction. Um, and and I think especially when it comes to the realm of something like this, like a podcast, social, these sorts of things, like uh, I think yeah. the way you're leading is is awesome. And I can't wait to talk to a bunch of other people with you. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for listening and or We're gonna watching. We're going to hug when the um, camera turns off. Yeah, we are going to hug. And then, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot more of these coming. We're planning on doing these weekly. So our goal in a year from now is to gonna have 52 of these podcasts. So we're pretty excited about this. So, yeah. All right. All right. Cool. We need, we need like a, we need a like sign off. We, don't, we need like a, like, what's a, I really hate those like eat your burrito things or whatever that. I love Pete Holmes. He's my favorite. Oh, I just don't I, like I just don't like the burrito part at the end. <laughs> so we need to come up with our own dumb like, thing that people will hate even though they love us. Right, right, right. Uh, we don't, I, I don't have one right yet. now. I don't have one right now. Yeah. I love you. Don't I be do a dick. That. I believe don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah, All right. that's good. Cool. All right. All right. All right. All right so cheers to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.